Okay, welcome back to Reality Bites on the 24th of November 2014. It's 4 o'clock, well, 5 past 4 Eastern in the United States and 9 o'clock, uh, 5 past 9 in the UK. I'm going to change topics now and talk about uh, the alien agenda, as, as it's been termed. Uh, the idea that uh, we're all going to be invaded by little men from Mars or from somewhere in a far-off land, uh, something like akin to Star Trek or something. Uh, Alan, in, in your research, where did this idea first uh, come from? Again, it came from the think tanks uh, which were involved in, um, again, like the Fabian Society and all the other associated think tanks which are massive today, uh, of how to, if you want, if the people are catching on, there's too many things are wrong at any particular time, you must give them uh, something to look at that could even be religious so they came up with the idea, and also to unify the world. Remember, the goal was always to have world government with these groups, or world domination. And to get the people to go along with these things, uh, they, they push up uh, along the Marxist line, uh, the continuous war is, is so destructive, which of course it is, etc., etc., and we can't go on like this. We need some outside intervention. If, if only something outside would come and force us to unite the world, to fight it, then uh, we'd all come together under a global structure, which would be necessary to defend us all. And that, then they came out, of course, with the, the big movie. That's the, it was the day the air stood still, uh, where a big flying saucer lands outside the, the White House, I think it was. And uh, the whole idea is that this alien has to get in touch with members of uh, the, the United Nations, scientific members, though. They to all be scientists that tie in again with scientists running the world. And so he goes off and search for the scientists that would eventually put across the public. If they wouldn't unite together to stop their destructive behavior, then uh, these aliens would eventually have to destroy you because you were dangerous. Uh, and and, and uh, you can go back further. They, they came out about 1948 with supposedly the first sightings of UFOs over the White House. Uh, uh, the guy who saw them all in, a, in an aircraft, but it happened to be a CIA member. <laughs> so uh, it, it's the same old thing again, uh, giving people this fake uh, pantomime to an extent. It's something to believe in. Something would take over from standard religions again and get them working towards something. And they, they, initially, they, 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 they brought forth something that the aliens are here to help us, that really took off. And then with the whole scientific age of, of going to the moon and all of that, they pushed all the science fictions, Star Trek, etc. It's interesting that the, 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 how Star Trek series was put together because they gave you situations on Earth with different peoples, races, whatever it happened to be, and put it into outer space to show you that that the Enterprise, interesting name to the Enterprise, because it's also God blesses on this Enterprise, you know, you pluralist Unum and so on in the States. But uh, Enterprise is, is to do with markets, you know, and, and, and economy, etc. So it goes around the, the, the space, trying to unite all the planets into a federate, a world, a, a global, a universal uh, uh, federation, which is simply the United Nations. And they give you the unfair things that happen to minorities on the way, and and they bring they make them all free, etc., and bring them into this great trading group in, in outer space. Uh, and the ones who will not join this this federation are always the bad guys, the primitive, barbaric, etc. It was simply a projection of everything in the world that the Fabians and so on have been pushing for such a long time already, put into an outer space setting uh, for a unified world. Uh, and so, uh, but it fascinated so many people the way it was done. Uh, but you also find top leaders. Uh, like Lesser B. Pearson of Canada, who also was head of the United Nations for a while, but he also became prime minister. And he, he, I've got his books here, his old books. And one of his, his uh, one of his um, workers was also a, a, a high-level bureaucrat in Canada, uh, who, who was called Escott Reed. And Escott Reed said in his memoirs when he worked with Pearson, he says we we drafted up along with Alger Hiss, who was a communist boy who eventually was found guilty, etc., for for treason. But they 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 drafted it up uh, the whole charter of the United Nations to try and unify them all again, heading towards world government. And um, he said, and he said in it in his book, he says, make no mistake, our goal is world government. 
Well, that's never been given up yet today. That's what the United Nations is there for. The United Nations was set up from the League of Nations, and they were both set up by, again, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. Same group. Same guys that wrote up your, your, your amalgamation of, to, into Europe for Britain. And the guys who drafted up the NAFTA agreement for the to amalgamation of the Americas too, they openly said that in Canada they drafted it up and presented it and it was signed. These are private organizations, remember. Now, Lester B. Pearson, back in 1957, had a similar idea to the, to the day the air stood still. And it says, um, perhaps there is a hopeful possibility here in the conquest of outer space. Interplanetary activity may well give us planetary peace. Once we discover Martian space, it's always Mars, going right back to H.G. Wells, Martian spaceships hovering above uh, Earth's uh, space, we will all come together. How dare they threaten us like this? We shall shout as one uh, 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 at a really united nations. Uh, and, and so there was a bring the Earth together to fight them. This is, this is, a, this is a guy who was way up, way up there. Uh, United Nations and as a Prime Minister So uh, this was followed on Ronald Reagan mentioned it many times During his time in office As long as an outer, outer threat from outer space Would all come together it's, it's, it's been a great thing To create a mass mind control movement Of, of people who are dedicated followers Of ufology as they call it And, and make them all work towards What really is this Marxist uh, system towards global a global system, uh, and where they'd use all our tax money against a tax base from the workers to to explore space, etc., etc. Which really again was, was a caveat because the whole the whole idea was to put up all the technology that they eventually would use to monitor all of us. That's what the Star Wars program in Regan Zero was all about. It was nothing to do with shooting down uh, uh, satellites. It was to do with um, what would be used today. Before we even had the computer, they were putting the stuff up in space, getting it all ready, because they knew when they were going to give us the computers to monitor us and the cell phones and everything else. This is how it really works. It's very clever, and we're, we're led like, uh, you know, by the nose, like bulls by the nose, um, by our masters of the mind. It's, it's perfect. They've never given it up today. Yeah. Well, people have been seeing lights in the sky forever. It's a well-documented yeah. phenomenon going back centuries and thousands, millennia going back. And it's only since the late 1940s that people have been coached to see a strange phenomenon of a light in the sky. It's automatically an alien spaceship. Lights in the sky have always been seen long before this, particularly at times of great emotional, psychological or social stress. For instance, they were very highly recorded during the time of the Ottoman Empire, when it looked like the Ottoman Empire was going to overrun Europe. People in communities in Austria and Germany and Switzerland were having these visions of lights in the sky. And at the time, they believed that they were aliens, you know, that were coming to save them from, from Islam. I believe that these actual experiences are probably either plasma or else they are actually psychedelic experience, some kind of collective psychedelic experience of some kind. But they've copper-fastened the idea again that they're aliens. Now, there's a strong connection I've discovered going back through Germany and all this. In the first, the very first high-quality science fiction films ever made were made by the in a massive UAF uh, movie studios just outside Berlin in the 1920s. You had directors like... Uh, Fritz Lang making films like well, he, like Metropolis and The Woman in the Moon. These were very well-made science fiction films. Fritz Lang was an interesting character. He said, if you want to get people to believe in science fiction, the whole, the whole focus must be on making the actual process of the spaceships and how they operate and fly as believable as possible. So he put tremendous resources for the 1920s into building realistic models of spaceships, realistic uh, portrayals of the lunar landscape, of alien beings, of future worlds. And so much so that this, this has been part of a, a kind of continuum in Germany since about the 1870s when somebody, a guy, an English guy wrote a book, a guy called Edward Llewellyn Lytton, I think was his name, he wrote a book called Vril, The Coming of the Power Race. It was basically a science fiction novel about these kind of alien angelic beings that lived inside the earth. And the book was such a sensation when it was uh, translated into Germany that you had these people like Rudolf Steiner and Blavatsky walking around with a copy of it under their arms like it was the Bible, saying that the book was absolutely true. No way could it be fiction. It has to be true. So you had these, this, the first widespread belief in this kind of alien salvation race it took was 
the genesis and the, and the gestation place took place in, in Germany at the turn of the century and then moving up towards the era of National Socialism, where it was you know totally believed in, completely, especially as the films that had been made in Berlin at the time were so good. Now, at the, what really took off in the West was the Roswell incident. And now, what, what, what do we have at Roswell? We have a guy holding a piece of tin foil, and that's basically it. A newspaper and a story about flying saucers, it, always on a military base. It's, they're always on military bases, these big sightings, and no one ever puts one and one together and then realizes the whole thing's a psyop. But anyway, your man, this guy, Jesse, what's his name? I can't remember his second name, the, the, the cap, the, the, the Air Force guy, pictures of metal, little stories about an alien flying disc crashes. Then the story is deliberately suppressed to make people think that it actually happened or that government is covering up something. And they do not put the obvious, because it happened in 1947, they do not put the obvious conclusion that this was a psychological operation developed by German and Nazi scientists brought over during Operation Paperclip who had been running the same psyops towards the end of the defeat of National Socialism by building up this idea that the Fuhrer had a wonder weapon, a wonder weapon that had been derived from miraculous sources that was going to save the Third Reich in its final moments. The same, the same, you know, same German minds were brought over to the United States, given jobs in the OSS, as you said, the forerunner of the CIA and MI5, the modern version, and they were given this brief to to use the same kind of ideas of the weapon in the minds of people, because the United States had to create this, this they knew to have this phobia and this anxiety was coming along, because the Russians were about to detonate a, an atomic bomb, because of Marxist groups in the US had leaked, leaked the secrets over, through sort of a, a Bolshevist, built Bolshevist sympathy network into the Soviet Union, and they had to condition Americans to believe that it, we, have, we somehow have alien technology, space Spaceman technology is going to save us. We have the edge. And that continued all during the Cold War, right up into Reagan's Star Wars uh, announcement at the United Nations, that we would all band together and to fight a, a, a global force from outer or an alien force from outer space with a global army and you had it in you know silly films like Independence Day where you see the Israeli jet fighter guys looking at the, the Iranian jet fighter guys and giving them the thumbs up and all this kind of like nonsense this kind of like one world the fighting the aliens and of course you had the, the, the amazing closing ceremonies of the 1984's Olympics of a spaceship landing in the stadium in Los Angeles and a big plastic alien coming out and talking about how he approves of humanity coming together as if they're not going to blow us up if we continue to like work together and all this kind and it's all it's and yet people to this day it's, it amazes me that people cannot when when it comes to this UFO stuff this alien stuff they cannot look at the obvious conclusions that were just being played for a played for suckers here that there you know there's so many other explanations for these mysterious phenomena which i completely agree do exist but you know everyone's conditioned with the knee jerk thing it's an alien in a spaceship who's come to earth and he's got he's, they're either here to destroy us if we don't behave ourselves or save us if we do yeah that that's a good part of it and, and then russia and again to germany was they were the, they were the leaders of the scientific age, even in the 1800s through the 90, early 1900s, and they were even making a, a lot of people, individuals, were making small rockets to go up, you know, into the sky. They were fascinated by this whole idea, and it tied in with the age of nationalism as well, and how again, not just weaponry, but uh, advanced science would come from a, a super nationalist type system, and then they created the Viril Society. And the Vril Society uh, was, a, was, again, the, the society came up with the idea of super weapons that Hitler would eventually use, etc., uh, out of this world-type science uh, that would be involved in, etc. And also came up with the idea that ties in with this uh, Vril Society of the Inner Earth. They, pushed, they put that out there, too. The Inner Earth Society, there's actually an Inner Earth Society uh, with, the, with the black sun inside the Earth and people live there, etc. And Bulwer-Lytton, who was a lord in Britain, I think, eventually, he, he wrote a book about it, a, a fascinating novel uh, that others copied in many ways to do with these super advanced beings that now lived inside the Earth. And they're still pushing that same stuff today with Mount Shasta in the U.S., 
But getting back to the whole CIA operation, it's massively funded this, incredibly massively funded across the world. And the professional speakers on them, uh, they make their whole entire career of pushing the UFO agenda. They have late night talk shows that go on forever, years and years, with guys that were always members of the CIA and high clearances and so on that actually host them. You can't get away from this CIA connection with, with any and all of it, actually. Tied in again with Parsons, who also created the, the, the precursor of uh, what we know as NASA today. It was an American uh, rocket company or something they called it initially. And Parsons was, was in with Alistair Crowley, again, another mind control expert to, to create all the, the cults uh, across the world as well. Um, because all of this is mind control, for those who don't understand it. It really is all to do with mind control, giving you a new belief a new fascination that will keep you running in circles your whole life long. You'll lose your reasoning abilities along the way, uh, and you become very, very gullible. And when you're gullible, those with the expertise can then indoctrinate you very easily and have you follow them. It's, it's a perfect system that was worked out long ago, yeah. Yeah, Parsons was at uh, JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and yeah. he, was, uh, he, was, he was known as the Rocket Fueled Antichrist. That was yeah. his nickname. He was also involved. He was, he was a close associate of Hubbard. In fact, that him and L. Ron Hubbard were so deeply involved in both the occult mind control and science that even Alistair Crowley wrote uh, letters complaining that they'd gone too far, that they'd, got, they'd actually gone way beyond what he would actually have, have attempted in terms of uh, mixing. You know, basically, people have to understand that magic is just a form of science, you know, in a way, in, or a kind of a, a theatrical version. What I find interesting, too, is how, this, how the idea of the aliens themselves have evolved. If you look at the real society, their belief of the alien was almost like, a, uh, a, almost like a, a, an ethereal being, a spirit. It wasn't actually, it didn't have form. And then when it got to the United States around the time of the all those, the Red Scare movies and all the, the sci-fi movies of the 50s, the aliens were always, they were very humanoid looking in many ways. It, very, you know, there was the one with the day the earth stood still, the guy who comes down by the White House, just him on a robot. But his portrayal is almost kind of like a Christ-like figure. You know, he comes down, like he's very, it's very much plays on the Jesus archetype, something that these, these, these psychopaths who run the system have always played upon. And then you've had the evolution of recent Andy, decades. Andy, Andy, I should just butt in and say he also rose from the dead when he got shot. <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's right. So you very much there, Clay, yeah. Yeah, and then even, you know, you had, in, you had more humanoid, you still had humanoid aliens around the time of Star Trek. You had Mr. Spock and the Vulcans and many other alien races. And then you have the, then, then you started to see the, the kind of the, the Babylonian a kind of demon creature, the Pazuzu, the you know the, the zoomorphic kind of reptilian insect demon type version of the alien come in, and then playing you know so first we have the alien as the savior Christ, and then they move into the sort of like the the sort of like the demonic archetype, the dark parts of the human psyche that have been cultivated since the time of. You know, Babylon and Sumeria, through the gargoyles, every, to the point now where we have two kinds of aliens. There's ones who are kind of like these angelic New Age beings who are like, you know, the San Germain, Germain these, these sort of galactic federation of light, super beautiful humanoids who are on, on the good side. And on the other side, you have these kind of Babylonian, gargoyle, demonic, reptilian, insect archetypes, these kind of Pazuzu somorphics transposed behind a rocket ship who are the bad guys. And I, I, I'm, I'm amazed by how many intelligent people were woken up who, again, who cannot see this Punch and Judy show for what it is. Adults. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's written so well. Again, you've you, you got to get back to the fact you've got lots of neuroscientists and behaviorists working with the, these writers to, to, to and how to put it over to the general population so that it's very very believable and fast it's going to be fascinating you see and it's going to be logically the way it's put across logically fascinating and that's how they present it to them it's a great escape for those who are terrified of everything in life and, and, and the economy and everything else it's a great escape to an extent as well and they start putting their faith in, in, in outside intervention coming to help us so technically they've been disabled they're outside of activism of any kind whatsoever and, and there's no, no problem to government authorities yeah. and it also allows them to sit back and accept development and technologies which are basically out to destroy us 
So they can accept all these horrific military technologies under the assumption that they're like a Star Wars thing, that it's to to protect us from aliens, when in reality it's a bunch of weapons pointed at us. Yes, of course. And as I say too, NASA is is constantly putting out nonsense there because NASA is one of the strongest arms of the military-industrial complex. It's a military organization. And under the, the guise of sp- space exploration, they've fleeced the taxpayers of billions and billions, maybe into trillions now, to do with weaponry and repairing weaponry in space. That's what the, the shuttle system is all about, was repairing weaponry in space and, and, uh, and preparing us all for this, this, this incredible system that's monitoring every single one of us, down to the weapons eventually they'll use on us from space, if need be. Pinpointed accuracy, uh, laser, uh, pencil lasers that can literally put a hole right through you from outer space, if you're a nuisance. Uh, that's all set up already in space. That's what the true Star Wars program was all about. Well, can, NASA I just, can, I, can I just come in there? This, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I read something about insurance companies now getting on board with all this stuff, saying that uh, if any, anything was caused by uh, aliens, uh, your insurance policy was was you know wasn't yeah. valid. You know, it's, it's like an act of God thing. That's right. Well, even the Mormons got their insurance policies out too for the for the rapture, where they get whisked off and leave their families behind, and insurance is going to pay their families to keep going. <laughs> so there you go. Then you mentioned yeah. uh, you mentioned Thomas whether the aliens are here for good or bad, and uh, of course there was a thing in the paper I don't know if it was a year or two years ago where they said the aliens were watching because of our CO two emissions, and if we didn't stop yeah, it, they'd yeah. come and they'd come and stop it for us. <laughs> yeah, and, and prior to that, they were watching us because of uh, the the Cold War. It's always the it's always That's the same right, religious yeah. archetype. Yeah, it's it always ties the same. right in ties in with the total agenda. That's right, the total agenda. And using environmentalism, uh, 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 again, uh, control of the weather, upset weather, etc. All of that to save us. It's always to save us all. Is to take all your rights away from you. It's always to save you all. And every facet, this massive army is actually they called it that an Earth army uh, in the early days. And the, the the writer for Star Trek was involved in the creation of that system where they'd use these massive uh, armies, Earth armies, uh, and now called Greenies and a whole bunch of different organizations, uh, and they'd push it all together with the whole space agenda, etc. So it's, it's all tied together. Whatever they give you, and they give us everything, by the way, unless you think for yourself, um, you're, being, you're being suckered into something else for some other uh, agenda. Yeah. yeah. And the aliens... Sorry, Tom, just a quick one. I, I've, uh, I've spoken to people who believe in all this garbage, and, uh, you know, you kind of, out of the corner of your eye, you kind of, you, you, th- you take a set of keys out of your pocket or something, and you throw it in the air, and you go, did you see that? And, and they go, what? And I say, that was an unidentified flying object. You yeah. know? Yeah, put, put, yeah. Lights on a, put lights on a frisbee and throw it out the window. That's an unidentified yeah. flying object. You know? Yeah, precisely. Like, I'm not. I'm not doubting. You know, I know lots of people who are sincere people who told me that they've seen these things, and I believe them. And I do believe there are, as as yet unknown, weather or consciousness or psychedelic experiences that probably do generate or are a result of these very strange experiences involving lights, maybe plasma or something like that. And I've no doubt that there probably are intelligent beings out in the far reaches of the universe. It's, a, it's just mathematically alone it's possible. But that is a completely different thing than ever coming here. And that's the assumption now. That aliens are not out there. They're on this planet. And they've been very, very useful to disrupt any kind of critical analysis of government or globalism by attaching aliens to, you know, serious topics like what we're talking to tonight. And I'll give you an example of that. Prior to the 1980s, Academics, educated people, anyone used to sit down and talk about conspiracies. It was not considered a wacky or a screwball kind of thing. People spoke about conspiracies in relation to everything from the JFK thing to, you know, uh, Agent Orange and, you know, DDT. They were always spoken about corporate conspiracies, globalist conspiracies. It was just a topic of, of, you know, a topic of conversation generally indulged, and often you could find it in the magazines of the, of the day, such as Mother Jones and Uthney Reader, the Wired. These were not weird things. These were just, it was just like historical what, what if. Along comes this TV series called The X-Files, and you have this guy who's a, an FBI agent, and he's the, he's the nutcase, and you have this other one who's this, the woman, and she's the voice of sanity, and she's the rationalist, and 
every single t- topic in the conspiracy theory world, or, you know, I hate to call it that, but the alternative movement world that myself and Alan talk about was covered inside at one level from GMOs to, you know, biowarfare to, vac- you know, kind of weird uh, objects being put into, into injections and given to people to everything was covered in the X-Files. And then it was coupled to alien spaceships and little green men so therefore if you bring up a serious topic today such as if i want to talk about i don't know anything anything like we talk about the fabians anything there's an automatic assumption that's put out there that somehow it's connected to ufos and aliens visiting earth and this has been our you know for instance i got a message from a guy last week who was saying to me like oh i don't know i forget what i was talking about i was talking about this i think it was the psychopathic traits of uh of Tony Blair, and the guy comes back with, and I bet you believe that Elvis is living on the moon and got there in a spaceship. That's the psyop. That's how it's been programmed to take anything that's serious that ordinary non non expert people in the scientific system, such as us guys here, can talk about it. Then they deliberately throw in the alien little green men bomb to destroy it and take away any credibility from it. And that has worked so well for them. And like you said, these people are into that stuff. I've no problems. People believe in anything. I don't believe have any problem with people believing in aliens and alien abductions or any of those things but do not connect them to very important topics in terms of our you know incarceration as lab rats on this planet and that has worked so that the alien thing has worked as well for them as a religion has mm-hmm. yeah and, and plus too you have so many uh again you do have the cia involved heavily all mind control things including all the different uh um, uh, so-called progressive types of uh, behaviorism techniques that they pushed back in the 50s and 60s, the Rolfing methods, all these different things, uh, where they scream and, and, and tear pillows apart. These are all part. This is all run by the CIA. All of these things that to do with behavior modification and getting absolute idiots to just fall for it all, go into the bottom of swimming pools that were empty and all, all lie down and pretend they're fish. I mean, things like that. Uh, it's amazing what they can do. And then they couple it with the alien agendas and everything else, too. It makes you more, each time you, you, you fall for something, you become more gullible for the next one. And I also had a, a, a strange occurrence. A, w- a woman who was in touch with me for a while by email, a Christian woman in the States, uh, did all the standard Christian stuff, mentioned all the standard Christian stuff, and, and seemed very orthodox. And then one one time uh, she wanted to call me. I, I answered the phone, and she said that, uh, did you know that Jesus is on Zeta Reticuli with all of his angels? They've been training the army for, for millennia, and they're going to come back to Earth, come back to Earth from this planet, you see, and, and save us all. I mean, so they infiltrated everything, including, and then what they always do is use existing structures of belief, which is religion, and they mixed it with that too. And that rampaged across a lot of the Christian societies for a long time too, that idea. So the, nothing has been missed out. But no wonder because you have thousands of think tanks working in every part, every facet of society. They've missed nothing here. Sorry, just uh, somebody in the chat box was talking about one show you did and mentioned GMOs. And, uh, you know, and somebody mentioned maybe they'll, maybe they'll uh, do something in a lab and we'll, we'll see some little green men somewhere. Uh, do, you, do you think that's a possibility, that, that they'll genetically modify something along the lines of uh, the island of Dr. Moreau, I suppose, and uh, create an alien? It's more than that. So that. There's actually scientific journals out there. They've been working on this for a long time. And I have some of them here, in fact. Uh, where they talk about the old Platonic idea, Plato idea, that, that they, they, would, uh, they would use uh, eventually in the Republic, his book The Republic, that eventually breed folk for specific tasks, tall folk for picking apples off trees, short folk for mining, things like that. And um, genetics has been uh, working towards creating new kinds of humans all along. And then their scientific books are put out for university. They have men with gills and so on and so on, all bred for specific tasks of welding, oil rigs underwater, things like that. Uh, so they're well ahead in all of this. And it ties in again with this uh, it's a form of misogyny to an extent. 
of, of, of uh, it's, it's also using the homosexual agenda, all the different agendas out there. They call it gay you now, but uh, to get you and, and all the in betweens of transgenders. To, so, so nothing is normal. Once they get to a stage where nothing is normal or standard or class is normal, then they can gradually bring in new types of all in betweens. That's what they're. That's why they're pushing that whole agenda. It's not because they care about gay folk. It's because they can use all of this to disrupt what's considered as normal amongst the general populations. And aliens goes along with it too. Yeah. Yeah. If you read Zachariah Sitchin, the Twelfth Planet, I read. I recently read it for the first time lately, about a few weeks back. And this guy basically took Babylonian uh, demon worship. Just the, this is basically the, the religion of Babylon. Babylon, and wrapped this whole imaginary idea of the Anunnaki and the space race around it. And the whole idea was to put this. Uh, this guy, Zachariah Sitchin, wasn't one of them. He, he, I mean, I, I cannot believe it's, it. If you read his book, it's almost like a Masonic uh, tome. It is. He belonged to the Ashmolean Society. That's right. He was way up there. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Because it basically says at the end of the book, and the whole purpose of that book is to indoctrinate people who read it into believing that human beings are a slave race. That's They're right. a slave race who serve a, a higher race. I mean, this is exactly how the agenda goes on. This is Actually, it's very Calvinistic when you look at it, because you're born into the lower caste, therefore accept it. There's nothing you can do. Your intelligence is set at birth, before birth, in fact. And the upper caste that rule you have the, are the law for rulers. You can't fight them in any way possible. That's how it is. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they tell you in the book. Yeah. And that's why so many of them come out of the Calvinist uh, religious parts of Switzerland. Van Daniken and people like that. There's so much of that down yeah. there as well. And also, they've created these these cults. These uh, uh, Van Daniken. Before you miss him, they, they, they revived him again. You know, and Daniken. Daniken, remember, back in the in, in the seventies, was was declared a fraud by reporters that went to Mexico, and he was and they found the so-called these space carvings of men on, on space motorbikes, etc. How you'd ride a motorbike in space, I don't know. But uh, they found a guy who was making these so-called Stellas for him. And car- it, was, it was getting under a dollar per Stella that he was making, that Daniken was putting in his book. A total fraud. Well, well Daniken basically has a gigantic cathedral now built to himself in Switzerland. It's essentially yeah, yeah. like the, Vat- the Vatican of alien history on Earth. And it's, it's, it's incredible. And Switzerland's also very high up there. Yeah, they've got the headquarters of the Rosicrucian Society. They're very high-level Rosicrucian for very elite people over there, too. It all comes together in Switzerland, yeah. Oh, Switzerland is a, is a particularly uh, sinister nation. But it looks to portray itself to the world as, be, you know, co- clocks and cuckoo clocks and uh, chocolates. But behind that is some very, very sinister movements and organizations. And the alien stuff through Van Daniken is definitely one of them. There's no doubt about that. The fact that in, in such an expensive country like Switzerland that he could build basically this Vatican to himself, in, you know, in the scale that it's built, means that there's some serious like globalist money behind him. You don't get oh, that absolutely. Kind of, you don't get that kind uh, yeah. of you don't get that kind of cash from writing books about aliens. Someone no, you don't. You don't, and also, I mean, I've talked to some people who've attended the ones in, in, in Switzerland at the high-level functions, and um, it's a st- extraordinary how they can manipulate the members that are coming in too, uh, with all their, their very, very advanced uh, equipment uh, uh, that can project, you know, basically holographic stuff, uh, very big, large holographic stuff, uh, and so on, giant crosses, for instance, that aren't even there, and things like that. So. Uh, I've talked to them personally, uh, people who, who've, uh, and some folk, even in the Canadian government, who've been over and seen this too. So, um, yeah, Switzerland's very big in that. It's also, don't forget, one of the highest, the biggest Knights Templar uh, countries. You'll see there's logo all over the buildings, all over uh, Bern and all the different uh, big cities in Switzerland. Yeah. And lots of Nazi gold and technology ended up down there to actually, re- you know, this is a, it's a great way for cleaning dirty money and and, and bringing it into these kinds of ideas, such as Von Daniken's Little Empire there. Again, back to the cults, this is another great way of scooping up uh, intelligent minds that should be challenging. You know, uh, 
in Jacques Vallée's book, Messengers of Deception, which I believe is the only book written on the UFO phenomena worth reading. He's basically a guy who started to research the phenomena, basically came to the idea, yeah, there is some strange lights in the sky, but ultimately the whole UFO thing is being run by the intelligence services who are creating these cults in order to take intelligent people who should be, the, you know, they should be the next Malcolm X's or the next kind of people who should be taking our societies to the next level and then stooping them off into these alien channeling cults. That's what's so remarkable about these cults. They're filled with people with PhDs and master's degrees. If you look at the Heaven's Gate cult, if you look at the Solar Temple cult, Solar Temple cult, again, Switzerland Templars, it's all filled with highly educated people who should be the next generation of shall we say, game changers in society. But instead, they're, 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 they're huddled around the device waiting for the, 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 the leader or the master or the guru to give them the latest messages from the aliens who are going to arrive someday in comets or spaceships. And this has been another wonderful uh, beneficial spin-off for the intelligence services too with this whole alien nonsense. They've, they've basically stopped any, between that and the celebrity obsession stuff, have stopped any kind of future, shall we say, social or consciousness revolution from taking off because anyone who has a brain seems to end up in, you know, seems to be end up diverting it into either one or the other. Oh yeah, as I say, you must disable people who can think. You disable them and put them into a uh, into an avenue that leads them nowhere, basically, and they're, and they're effectively disabled from taking any action or or being uh, social leaders and so on, etc. Uh, ex- and then they find themselves being leaders, in fact, and working towards an agenda that they think they understand, but they don't understand it whatsoever where it's supposed to go. They're all being used. Yeah. In terms of. Um the, the techniques used, like you mentioned, the, the aliens or the, the cults and stuff, I mean, that, that all comes from, presumably, uh, what we talked about earlier with the, the Fabians and the think tanks coming up with um, programs. The Fabians said, through, through Annie, Annie Besant, uh, as I say, one of the co-founders, it was to set, set up the feminist movement and also push for the abortion uh, industry early on. And her, her dad was a lord, the British House of Lords. And she said that uh, uh, they would use the existing institutions and through religion, and eventually, uh, it's, it's exactly what um, you, you'll find the marketers always use. Uh, don't go out and create a society. Use existing institutions where you have masses of followers. And she said, well, we'll use existing religions and eventually win through the churches because they have the biggest amount of followers than anyone else. So we're looking at it as a religious institution. Ufology is a religion. And, and it actually it permeates all through even their orthodox religions until you have folk believing all things within churches themselves, all working towards this so-called greater future and better future. It's all the same agenda. It's quite fascinating to see that no one's been unaffected because the entertainment industry is one of the biggest mind control industries out there. You can take anything, any action whatsoever, any human action or behavior or emotion and twist it into reverse until you're feeling sorry for people that you perhaps shouldn't feel sorry for, and, and you have a completely opposing a, a opinion from reality. Things like that, uh, it's all been used against you. They can turn on your tears when they want to. They can make you angry at something when they want to. Uh, it's the greatest tool because your defenses are down when you think you're being entertained. If you're getting a lecture on something, you, you'll sit back, or you should do, and your critical thinking will say, well, I believe that, but I'm not accepting this part. With a, with a movie, for instance, you swallow the whole lot, including the programming and conditioning that is built inside the movie. So it's a perfect way. You've got whole generations now uh, who are addicted to the movies, they're brainwashed with them, and they're all politically correct. Even all your, your politically correct uh, things to do with sexuality and behaviorism uh, are put initially through comedies and then filter into the mainstream serious movies. And that's how they put it across. It works very, very simply. And again, back to H.G. Wells, he talked about using this technique way back in the early 1900s. Yeah, so I just somebody put a quote in the chat box from Mark Twain. Uh, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. And that's, that that's, uh, certainly pertains to the, the more uh, intelligent people, like you were saying, Thomas, the, the, the PhDs and, and all them. That they, they won't be told that they're wrong, and they won't admit they're wrong, that's for sure. Oh, here's the key to that, though. People, yeah. you, you, never, forget, never forget that uh, those who are intelligent and are going into university, or, or they think they're intelligent, 
in the university, you, your ego is built up above everything else, believe it or not. Uh, that's how you end up being a professor. Um, I've had professors visit me, and they, they admit, and I know this, and I've talked about it, that most professors talk a lot of literally nonsense. Uh, it, it's uh, a lot of verbiage, if you like, a lot, lots of words, but meaning, pretty well meaningless in the end. But it's very impressive. So it's the same with any science that you're taught in university. It's like medicine. The first thing you're taught is to always dominate your patient. Make sure they believe in you. It's the first thing you must get them to do is believe in you so they'll trust you and do what you tell them. Uh, that goes across the board now in all universities with all so-called professions that they, they turn them out to, 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 to dictate to. So um, you think you're being taught that you are one of the elite, one of the chosen, and because of that, uh, once you swallow the alien agenda along with it, uh, it, it, there's no going back. They'll never have insight into themselves because they're already believing that they are elite and they are intelligent. And once you start to lose that, that, that you're you're just you. Uh, and you actually believe the propaganda that you are the intelligent one, you're done for. Always always hold on to humility. If you lose it, you've lost yourself. Someone else is using you. Yeah. Well, by the time you've got yourself your PhD, all you've really done is shown absolute, absolute devotion and servitude to authority. You've done everything you were told. Yeah. You've followed everything, every single order. And then the, the tenured college professor who guided you towards this is then replaced by the cult leader. Mm-hmm. That's why they're so easy to move highly educated people with advanced degrees into flying saucer and alien channeling cults because they've they're, they've already been conditioned to seek an author to seek the the absolute approval and devotion to an authority figure. I just want to get back to the cultural thing there again. Another aspect that's been used to sell the alien idea as well has been uh, rock music. You have bands like the Blue Oyster Cult and Hawkwind and all these kind of space rock, frog rock kind of ideas coupled with the LSD idea of like aliens and spaceships and space travel and I was reading there recently not only did you have like people like Carlos Santana saying that he had been given orders from an alien you also have that I was reading recently that David Bowie had spent the early 70s on the roof of his apartment in London holding a television aerial towards Mars getting signals you wonder who was sending them signals, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. But again, David Bowie is, is, is a product of the entertainment industry. And I'll tell you another thing, too, a lot of the entertainment industry just churns out a lot of rubbish, actually, uh, about these stars to, to build up the personality cults. I mean, I've been, with, I've been with bands before that were getting up there, or were up there, in fact, some of them, and, and big magazines would phone them and ask for interviews, and they couldn't do it. They're either too stoned or whatever, burned out, whatever. And... Um, what they would do is say, okay, well, we'll write a good write-up about you and put some really bad boy stuff in there and we'll let you see it before we publish it. And they'd make it up, actually. They'd make it all up for the, to, to boost the personality color image. Uh, and that's what happens with a lot of that stuff. David Bowie first came on the stage in Britain because it was part of the destruction of the culture industry, actually. That's what they put him out for. They create stars. They create the image. They create the person. In fact, the image and the drawings that they put up with the person, their costumery and so on, their poses, are all drawn up before they pick the person, the actor, if you like. And David Bowie came on the stage with his travelling roadshow, massive, you know, about six massive 10-ton trucks, hauling the equipment, lighting the whole bit. And he came on wearing nothing but a jock strap back in the 60s in Britain. A jock, nothing but a jock strap and painted face and all the rest of it. Again, to destroy your whole image of men, manhood, uh, uh, decency, and so on. It worked awfully, awfully well. It was to get to the youth uh, and teach them rebellion, as they were teaching them in school at the time, to rebel against their parents who were old-fashioned, don't trust anybody over 30, they said. And um, that's when they fired a lot of the older teachers and brought in younger ones so the children would identify with them more, uh, with the new radical indoctrinations. Uh, Everything has been covered here. Every part of society and culture has been covered completely. Even Bowie's early days, you had like these dissociative personality ideas like Aladdin Sane, Aladdin Sane. 
the guy with his face painted two different colors. You had the cracked actor and the man who sold the world. These were all kinds of the, they bought into this idea that Bowie was more than just a singer. He was a, a changer of consciousness. And yeah, again, space, it, it was too good. Yes, and he was in space, the space man. Yeah, yep. yep. Space mm-hmm. Oddity, yep. yep. And there's even a things. very interesting film of this tour of America in the mid-70s. And they're interviewing his fans outside the concert hall. And they're, they're these people, some of them look stoned, but a lot of them look like they're, they're on you know, psych medications, like some kind of heavy uh, Thorazine or something like that. And this one girl who can barely articulate says that uh, David Bowie is the space commander and I'm his space cadet, which was funny at the time. But when yeah. you, you think back on it now, you realize how beautifully clever these, these people, their scams are so devious at times, you always have to almost have to admire them for them. Oh, absolutely! And but don't forget, though, it's nothing to do with talent or skill of the person you see. It's the massive machinery that creates that person in the first place. It's a massive, massive machinery to create the star. They can make anybody a star, and they have actually. <laughs> but but they can make anybody a star uh, with the machinery. And and again, it came out of Hollywood, early Hollywood. Uh, where Hollywood came up with the idea of the star image. Before the actors were ten a penny, they were not really a, a reputable type of, of, of person. If you were an actor or an actress, uh, you basically sang for your supper to the elite afterwards after a show. And then they created the star image. And they would create the, the star before you'd even see them in their first movie. They'd build it up, this new woman or whoever it happened to be. And they're instantly a success because they told the public that they were great and the public will believe what they're told when, it's, when that build-up is professionally done. That's what they do with all-star image uh, making. I met guys who had number ones in Britain um, and uh, I've been there when doing session work for them, uh, for, for, their, for their albums and things. And, um, and I've worked on some of their, their songs and literally... They were picked out of lineups, and I'm talking about drawings now. I've seen the drawings before they'd pick the guy with the right height that would fit this suit that was already made for him. It was made of leather, that stuff like that. How he'd hold the microphone, his, his gimmicks, his shticks, as they call it. Uh, and it, they were told he'd have three hits in a row, and then that he'd fade away. And that's the sort of thing. That's how it's run. There's nothing out there that's real as it's presented to the general public. Of course, yeah, you've, got the, you've got the song uh, Starman by Bowie as well, of course. Yeah, and uh, the movie, the man, the man Who Fell to Earth, where yeah, he was that's actually right. breeding with human women. You know? That's right, yeah. Uh, and that tied in with a whole bunch of sci-fi movies on the same, on the same the- uh, theory, basically. Yeah. yeah, and he had all this technology where he could, uh, he could basically afford to, to buy up the world, and he was buying all these resources and, and supposedly to take them back to his own planet and all that stuff. Yeah, he could replicate gold. If you look at Bowie's entire early 70s, or mid-70s and early 70s career, it was nothing other than the alien agenda. Another band was ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra. They came out of a gigantic UFO when they played their gigs. And even the term ELO, Electric Light, that sounds very Masonic, Electric Light Orchestra, Electric Lucifer Orchestra. You know, yeah, you really have to look into these people and see who they are, who they're related to, who their parents are, what families and what, you know, public school they went to. It's also the old God, L is the name of the God, you know, and, L, and O is zero is the eternal circle. Yeah, that's it's Masonic too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've got, uh, well, we've got about four minutes left. So do you want to wrap up and basically your final thoughts on either the Fabians, or what we've just discussed, or a mixture of both? Well, we, we are the end product, basically, of, of an agenda. Uh, most of the folk around you are too, uh, because to say the Fabians are, are one massive think tank with many branches across the world, uh, and, the, and they interact with the other think tanks that work on other aspects of human nature, behavior, etc., all working to program the next generation uh, into the future. Uh, and here's how perfect it is. If you go back to the 1930s, Comintern, the, young com- the international communist, young communists, of which Pierre Trudeau, that became Prime Minister of Canada, was one of them. Uh, they had a meeting uh, with Beria, who was the top honcho there, a massive, a monster of a man for slaughtering people. But Beria, in charge of the, 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 the police for, for Russia, the NKVD, he uh, talked about the conditioning of children. And he said, he said, that the, he said it used to take us 70 years. At that time, that was about a generation, 70 years. To, to, to create the changes through persuasion and, and, and through education to change anything in society even a little bit because the parents were always contaminated with their old ideas and they would pass them on to the children. He says, but now with the perfect indoctrination, he says, we can update and alter the, the, the changes every 
two to three years. And so that the kindergarten children going in one year uh, were getting programmed from start with a whole curriculum for their whole all the years ahead in, in education for all the changes that would be put forth on a timetable plan as they grew up. The ones who came in the year later would be slightly ahead into the further uh, exploitation of this plan and they would be prepared for it as they grew up. So what you, you're, you're already programmed for the changes that are going to hit you uh, in your lifetime is, is from that early, early age, and you'll think it's called quite natural. You're, you're prepared for it. The, the program has been put in your head already. That's how perfect it was, and, and it's way beyond that today because the culture industry gets massive grants from the governments. Every, every United Nations member has a department of culture in their federal governments. That dishes out the grants to writers, movie makers, everything, uh, and novelists, and they must incorporate all the politically correct things in the, their novels and books and even cartoons. And the children are brainwashed before, they're getting brainwashed before they learn what the meaning of words actually, because a lot of it's visual as well. So this is a perfect indoctrination of society. And to be honest with you, you'd have to be a hermit living your family uh, way up in some mountain somewhere to escape it all. Because with the electronic uh, pervasion of media today, it's everywhere. Uh, you can't escape it. Even if you try to shield your children from it, uh, it's pretty well impossible because their friends have all got the electric gadgets and so on. You can't keep them living uh, separate anymore. It's, it's pretty well done for from that aspect. Again, Bertrand Russell went even further about, about this. He said, we used to think that uh, we'd have to separate the children from the parents so they'd never know who their parents were. Again, going back to Plato's idea. He says, but now again, with scientific indoctrination, he says, the, parent, the parental input will be impossible. They won't be able to, to pass on contaminated ideas to their children, and the state will be giving them their new moralities. It's all been done. Thomas? Well, the agenda goes on, and there is no great awakening, and there is no salvation. There's, it's not going to happen. The, the hundred monkey does not exist in terms of the, how these people are controlling us. Just because that's going down doesn't mean that you have to go down with it. And this is where I would say to people, as long as they're not inside your head, you're free. And that's the important thing. It doesn't matter what happens around you. As long as they're not inside your head, you're free. So at all, at all costs, do not let them in there. Do not be a lab rat anymore. Yeah. You, have, you have to reclaim. You've got to reclaim your mind. I mean, it's your birthright. It's your mind. Without that, you're nothing. <laughs> so you, your mind is all you have. Yeah. Yeah, personal liberation, and you've got to you've got to stop waiting for external salvation and start liberating yourself. And that's the you know I mean I don't know how how would I say it? Uh, stop being Pavlov's dog and you know become a cute fox and run wild and don't let them I'd know that. I'd say even better, you know, bite Pavlov. <laughs> bite Pavlov, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't be expecting don't be expecting miracles or people like Russell Brand or some other celebrity or Bono or anyone else to save you or gods or anything. You, you're a sovereign human being, and get That's off the chest. Important. That's awfully important. You understand there's something called again getting back to the creation of creation of stars. It's called the per, the creation of the personality cults. The big boys will always give you leaders that create the whole machinery of personality cult gets behind them to to create the personality cults. And you're always looking for the one. All through the movies, it's the one. You're the one that's going to save the world. No, no, that's, that's, a, a, that's fake. It's a red herring. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to reclaim your own brain. Uh, that's all you have. Get your own minds, and it's up to you where you want to let it go. But uh, you keep your own mind under control as well. Don't be fooled over and over and over again. And the star goes right back to the Dionysian cults of ancient Greece, which Plato would have been familiar with. These ideas of the of the, 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 the the hermaphrodite, you know, rock star god, uh, who was a, a sexual being that people fawned over, had no particular talent. He was just Dionysius, and and Plato knew this, and they've all known this, and that's still, you know, Dionysius is still going on to these day to to this day, and you know, again, don't don't be fooled. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Um, we have to kind of round it up there. The next host is ready to come on. Um, thanks very much for your time, lads. And uh, can you just stay on the line just for a second after the show? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much for listening, folks, and uh, handing over to Patty now.